If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The helicopters are up in the air. The crowd are buzzing with excitement. Eve Lampart's just hit the deck. They're just a few kilometers away from the finish line here in the famous old velodrome. It could well be the fastest Paris-Roubaix ever raced. It might even be the hottest Paris-Roubaix ever raced. And in more ways than one, history is being made here today as Never Strays Far gets its first ever official journalistic accreditation. Mate, it is so hot in northern France, in Roubaix, David. It's absolutely roasting here, mate. It's 25 yeah, it degrees looked, or something. It looked steamy on TV. Dusty yeah. and hot. Lovely. Well, that, that instantly deals with my first question to you. How much of it did you see? I did. Well, it's Easter Sunday and we were over at Friends. I actually just went away and sat on my phone and watched it. And yeah. It's well, I think it's, what, I think it's what the Lord would have wanted. <laughs> Yeah, on Easter exactly. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You to- I actually okay, so- lay down by a pool and turned the video off and just listened to the commentary. The I did that. Bit. I did that a little bit today. That's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, and then you just kind of feel like, well, we know things are going to happen or you kind of just go and check it on it when, yeah. It's like me when I do real commentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just listening, listening to what's just going laying on. on the floor, listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to hear. So you were listening to the Eurosport uh, guys, weren't you, Rob yeah, yeah. and Adam yeah. and and, uh, and, and yeah. Uh, Maggie? Maggie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was partly doing that, and also because I'm in France and at the finish line, I was listening to uh, France Television's commentary. But um, so I mean, haven't actually, you know, we haven't actually told our listeners. We'll come to that very, you know, very soon. What happened in the race and who won and everything. Um, in fact, probably. I'll tell you what, let's do it in the right order. Let me, just, um, let me just play you this little clip. This is what happened when I finally arrived in, on that lovely grassy centre where last time we were there, actually, they'd set up the TV compound of the, um, of the, of the, uh, the famous velodrome. So this is just to set the scene and to tell you what's been going on in the race. Well, David, um, I'm here in the baking sunshine right in the middle of the velodrome that I've been to on a good few occasions. The last time, of course, was with you on another similarly warm day back in the Tour de France. What was it, in 2018, wasn't it, when John Dagenkob won the stage here? I don't think I've been back since. Of course, COVID has um, had a big part to play in that, but it's lovely to be here. Do you know, last night, I was so overexcited about this trip that I didn't sleep especially well, and I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, uh, had a cup of tea and kind of got going unnecessarily early. So I was at the Eurostar way too early, got the train to Lille, which takes no time at all, jumped on the metro, 
got to Roubaix, dumped my luggage, and then got a um, a kind of Boris bike, for want of a better word, a hire bike uh, from Roubaix station, and uh, and and made my way a couple of kilometres out to the outskirts of town into this old velodrome again, and. Um, I bumped into Lionel Burney, which was one of the first things that I did. So Lionel and I had a long chat, and then he started to uh, follow the race in a bit more detail. Um, and so did I, eventually, once I kind of got over my excitement. And what a race it's been! To be honest, I, I find it one of the most baffling additions that I've um, ever had to try and summarise. Uh, it seems like, in a funny way, um, doesn't yet, we've got 30 kilometres to go, doesn't yet feel like a classic to me. I don't know why, can't quite put my finger on it, but it's got the potential still to become, um, I think, a sensational edition because uh, it's anyone's anyone's race still. 30 kilometres to go. There is uh, one lone rider off the front. It's Tom de Fleets from Antomarche, Monte Gobert, who's just hanging out there, really. And then there's a group of uh, about eight, ten riders, including uh, uh, Wat van Aert um, and uh, Mathieu van der Poel, including Jasper Stoven, uh, Dylan van Baal, uh, Matteo Trentin, I think, is still there. Um, Adrien Petit, from Antomarche, Wanty Gobert. Um, yeah, and they are, they're just starting to play games with one another. But they've got the French... Uh, Stefan Kung as well from Groupama FTJ. He's, he's also still there. Um, so they're going to reel in. They're going to reel in the French. Um, but... Mathieu van der Poel looks very fresh still. Wat van Aert, first race back since COVID. Uh, he's had one or two mechanical issues, but he's overcome those, and he looks pretty good as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be an almighty tussle, really, isn't it? Oh, and I should have mentioned Mate Mohoric, so he was out front uh, for a long time, from around about 90 kilometres, I think, um, uh, out front with Tom de Flint. But then he punctured uh, when the gap was around about 35 seconds. And uh, he sat up a little bit after he'd had a bike change, drifted back to that Van Aert, uh, Van der Poel group, and sat with them for a few kilometres. And uh, at around about 29k, he just shot off the front again, taking uh, Yves Lampart with him. And they've gone across to Tom de Flint. So de Flint uh, thought you might have seen the last of him, but he's back. Moritz is looking uh, very, very strong indeed. Van Baal is counter-attacking to try and get across to them. And uh, Ben Turner, his teammate from the Ineos Grenadiers, just sitting on the back of the favourite, uh, the group of favourites. But it's all very, very tight. There's only 24 seconds uh, separating the third group uh, to the front of the race, being driven on by Lampart and Moritz. Yeah, it's a bit of a summary, proper reportage this, David. As befits a man wearing a, a proper accreditation around his neck with Never Strays Far, an official ASO-accredited professional media organisation. Uh, in other news, it's absolutely rammed here. There are families here. There are people from all over Europe. Uh, there's a c- sporadically clapping breaking out, people banging the, the barriers, uh, pints of beer being drunk, sausages are being um, hoovered. And uh, by and large, it's one of the best places to be. Well, it is the best place to be every year. I think, in world cycling. It's fantastic. What a spectacle. It, at that point, David, I have to say, I know you... Are you? I, I can't quite get in my head. Are you a fan of Matty Moritz or not? Because... You know, you a bit. You know, uh, I don't. Uh, you know, I don't know enough about him. Um, 
uh, I don't think I'm a fan of him, but I, I've got a great deal of respect yeah. for him. And especially after today, the way he raced was yeah. insane. Yeah. I mean, how strong was yeah. he? Answer, very. That, yeah. Very. Yeah. yeah. Very strong. Did you see the bit where and, he bit yeah, off no, the front? And I tell you, what was good yeah, about go it as well, because he kind of made, took his revenge from um, Flanders, wasn't it? Where he had a terrible Flanders. And I think he was really annoyed with himself because he'd been placed yeah. wrong. And it's almost as if he took that attitude to Roubaix yeah. because he was so disappointed in himself. I mean, he won Milan San Remo so on strength. And Tour of Flanders, he admitted he was so badly placed at the wrong time. And it's almost today he's like, I'm just going to go right off the front of the race the yeah. whole time. Yeah. It's, yeah really, interesting. it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, so much happened today. It was, I thought it was an insanely complicated race to follow, actually. More so than usual, mm. usually, actually. I thought it was kind of... And for that reason, I wasn't sure whether I was watching a vintage edition of the race there were a lot of punctures there was a lot of sort of like low-key misfortune that affected a lot of big big mm. riders at the wrong moments um and i i didn't really I, it's a weird one i didn't really warm to the race particularly today and i think I'm, i might be a little bit of out of kilter with public sentiment but anyway sorry but going back we'll come to that i'm sure but going back to Moharidge, it's really interesting about Moritz, isn't it? Because he's, you know, last year and backing it up this year, he's coming into his own. But the way he wins races, he's almost like the the antidote to Van Aert and Van Der Poel, isn't he? He's like the serum which neutralizes mm. them because he, he his way of winning races is profoundly dangerous to them or can be if he gets it right. And it, it's a whole different thing. And, and But it takes a phenomenal rider to be able to pull that off. And if he hadn't punctured today... Mm. You know, and had to be forced to drop back into that second group. He might have done it. I think he might have done it. I think he would. I think he might have done it as well. I think he might have done it. And what's interesting, although I uh, say that his um, the way he rides is is not economical. Uh, very few riders can do yeah. it. It's not economical. Yeah. It's really difficult as well. It makes it, you know, he's always had quite a high cadence on. There's only Johan Museo in recent history that rode an equally big gear mm. on the cobbles. Mm. Moritz is just churning that huge one and it's not, I mean, it means you're, you're, you're not as nimble as the cobblestones. There's more risk of you puncturing, etc. But it's also, once you start to lose the kind of, in that final 20Ks, 20 or 30Ks, yeah. if you if you have one moment, because you don't have that spring out of corners, yep. oh, getting that gear going again, it's nigh on impossible. So you become kind of, that's where you often see those, I mean, even Bonin spun away and you saw Walt today was spinning away. And, but yeah, so I'm, but I, I second that by saying that's how incredibly strong he is that he can get away with an incredibly inefficient style on the cobbles and, and overpowers it. Yeah. Yeah. But then he'd done, yeah, he'd done too much work by the time he got back to the front of the race again and was in that quartet of riders. And then Van Baal went, didn't he, with 30, 30 kilometers to go mm. or something. Was it 30 or 20? I can't remember. I think it was... I think it was like in between. Maybe it was in between. Actually, I think it was just outside 20. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's when he went and um, he just built his lead gradually. But then when we finally got a motorbike in front of him and we could see his face, <laughs> for want of a better oh. word, because um, that's what it was, the front front bit of his head. Um, mm. I don't think I've seen him look like that. Angry. Angry. Teeth out, yeah. really, I, I was quite struck yeah. by that because the one thing I associate Van Baal with is this kind of impassive, Kirienka-like, um, the mm. kind of robot face uh, a little bit. So he's kind yeah. of become, that's how he's normally deployed for, for Sky and Ineos, isn't he? You know, Van mm. Baal, super reliable, do that, do it hyper-impressively. Um, but, and we touched on it. Last time we spoke, David, that kind of transition between worker and worker and winner, 
And um, I'm feeling rather smug because I think lots of the stuff that we spoke about in our last pod came to fruition today. You know, that that, that late on in your career, mm. discovering the winning thing, that is by far Dylan Van Baal's biggest win. I mean, by a country mile. Oh, you know, pay, everything else, everything bigger. else pales into insignificance. Um, mm. And and by the way, later later on in the pod, we'll we'll hear from Dave Brailsford addressing just just these issues. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was a different Van Baal, wasn't it? It was a, it was um, and it was mm. unanswerable. It you know who's being chased by some. Well, hitters? it was a big. It was a, it was a huge huge difference in the way he rode today to the second that uh, he got in Flanders, which was a bit scrappy and it. It almost felt that that felt like his sort of place. It's like, oh, well done, Dylan. You you got second. But today it was he was untouchable. I mean, he rode like a like an out and out favorite and kind of person. Because when he went, as he said, the body language. If you just look, he looked so strong. I mean, he looked so strong, and everything was so smooth. And as you say, when the camera came around, you saw in his face. And you saw he still had that strength to just be pushing. Yeah. He was like pushing. And even on that last lap, when he came to the velodrome, he was still flat out. Yeah. It's like he wanted to take it. He wanted to, he, he wanted to have the velodrome to himself. David, this is what happened when he got to the velodrome. Well, that's the noise that is going to greet Dylan Van Baal as he takes that famous right-handed turn now and onto the track in Roubaix, into the deep, deep shadow just to the western curve lining up now coming through the finish line that he will take one more lap of this velodrome he lets his head drop in disbelief at what he's just achieved it's been a long long and honorable journey in his career Dylan Van Baal to get to this crowning moment nothing that he's achieved comes close to this Dylan Van Baal is the winner of a hot fast and attritional Paris-Roubaix in 2022 the old hands go onto the head it is complete. Um, yeah, and it was, and as you say, David, it was a win. I mean, he was quick. I was expecting, I thought, interestingly, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to commentate for quite a long time now because he's got to do a lap and a half of the, of the peloton. That might take, of the peloton, of the, of the track. That might take quite a long time. But he raced around it. He had no need to, but he just flung himself around it. Ripping. And only in the last 10 yards did he kind mm. of like sit up and enjoy the moments. Um, so it was a hugely impressive win. It lacks the drama, let's be honest. And when someone wins the race that far out, yeah. it does lack something of the drama. Yeah, I think, but I, I mean, again, I think credit to, I missed the first half and perhaps you can fill me in with this, but because I, I, it but, was family day, etc. I was gl- gl- kind of just kind of quick flicks at social media and saw with like 207 Ks to go. Ineos won the yeah, front. That, that, I mean, that's, that's the key it. moment. You know, there's a million and one details yeah. you could get lost in because mm. the, the, the group's have done, but that is absolutely mm. the fundamental building block of that success. Um, they hit the front. There was a lot of wind today. It wasn't a kind of forecast. It wasn't like, oh, it's mm. going to be a windy Roubaix, but there was enough mm. at certain strategic moments to catch the bunch unawares. And uh, Luke Rowe, almost inevitably, was the instigator um, en masse, they, they, rip, they, they rip the race. They set the tone really early on by ripping the race in half. Um, and it never settled after that. And uh, because of mm. absolutely everything that we've all been discussing about their, their approach to the classics this year and the sheer strength of their team, they, had, they held all the cards and they managed to take the sting out of the real hitters, you know. Because um, there's mm. nothing wrong with, you know, we, I think people were wondering about Mathieu van der Poel 
Oh, no, sorry, not Matthew van der Poel, Wat van Aert's uh, form post-COVID, but uh, he, he was immense. I mean, he had a great day. So He was immense. The comebacks he came from, he came, one of those comebacks is enough to kind of burn yeah. like the greats, especially in a race of that intensity. Yeah. Had to do it twice, yeah. didn't he? And coming out of the, have to save it from the Arenberg yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, that, it, I mean, and that's the thing with Rubain, you say about the drama, if he hadn't, it, it's, if, ifs, it's always ifs at Paris Roubaix. The strength he had, he'd have easily been up there. Yeah. You know, I think, for the win. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. But the bottom line is, he didn't. And he didn't have the legs at the end because he'd used it all up before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Matthew van der Poel, similarly, I think Matthew van der Poel, to be honest, is maybe coming a little bit off after, regards his form, judging by how he was at Amstel. Yeah. You know, came in all guns blazing, first race Milan San Remo, yeah. get takes it to Flanders and seems to be by Matthew van der Poel standards. Um, but, but also I think it was the fact that Ineos made the race so hard yeah. that, you know, it just, as you said, took the sting out of all those riders' legs. Yeah. What, are you saying you moved on from Matthew van der Poel no, no. in your usual cynical way? Like no, you never. Dumped, like no, you dumped Remco. Never. You're just, no, I'm not impressed with it. No, I'm justifying it. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm explaining why Matthew van der Poel Oh, you're still on his wasn't. side. Okay, you're cutting him some slack. You're saying, yeah, okay, fa- oh, fine, okay. I emp- it's empathy. It's empathy. empathy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not judging him. I'm, I'm kind of saying that Matthew's all right. right. He's just maybe a little bit tired. Right. Okay. Okay. So here's what happened. Yes. Here's what happened at the finish line. As you could tell from my commentary, David, um, I, I was watching, I watched Dylan Van Bell come over the line on his own. And then I was watching the sprint for second place from that group of four riders. And actually I, I had an obscured vision of, I couldn't see any screens. So I was actually just standing on my tiptoes and you know, I'm me, I'm not a particularly tall human mm. being, um, trying to see over people's heads to see actually who won the race and for second and who finished third and fourth. And, um, I thought that, um, the Antamache Wanty Gobert rider, um, Tom de Frint had pipped Stefan Kung for, for, yeah, it, was for it was close right it wasn't just me going on a complete so it was, I thought I no, thought, no, I no, thought no, he nearly close. got it right and that Kung after all that because Kung was a major major mm, part he's a great rider and well. he's a great rider and I would have loved mm. to see Stefan Kung win the race by the way I think it would have been a really mm. good thing and I thought oh no Stefan Kung's just after all that he's been bumped even off the podium places mm. you know fair play to the Freen to that Wapvenart was always going to win that sprint mm. um but then, so then what happened, and it is an immense privilege to have my accreditation, by the way. Yeah? Never strays Never far. Never strays far. Like that on an official ASO. Yeah. You like that, don't you? It's a frame there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to be, but be stood, stood sort of track centre there and to see the riders collapse in front of you. I mean, literally right in front of you. Mm. And the, the, the rider who collapsed right in front of me on the grass and it's lush green grass and it is like inviting. Just the riders spend a lot of time collapsed on that grass on a warm day. Yeah, it's lovely. I bet it is. Um, uh, but anyway, Kung collapsed in front of me and I actually thought, no I way. thought he'd finished fourth and I, and he looked like he'd finished fourth. I mean, he really did. Yeah. He had a beaten up expression. He was not looking impressed. He was looking deeply sad. Um, and then this rider from, from Groupama FTJ came and sat down next to him in the grass who'd finished like not long after in one of the next groups. And I thought, Christ, he must be a bit of a hitter. And I was looking, I was going, who the hell's that? And I couldn't see his number. <laughs> and there's something that the Roubaix dust does to the faces mm. that ages the riders. Yeah. So, so mm. I was looking at like essentially a 55 year old man because <laughs> um, mm. of the dust in, you know, at this, at this other rider sitting mm. next to Stefan Kung um, looking beaten up and I did not recognize him at all. And then eventually he turned around so I could see his racing number and I cross-referenced it and I went, my God, that's Valentin Madwas. 
wow. Yeah. What's he doing in Paris Roubaix? <laughs> also, Jeez. why does he look like not far from the front? Yeah, why does he suddenly look like um, Maurice Garin? You know, absolutely smashed up mm. and black and white. Um, but also, what are you doing that far up the race? And what are you doing here anyway? And I'm pretty sure he was making his debut. Um, anyway, mm. at this at this point, right? So the race has come to an end. All these groups are coming down, and I'm I for, for the first time in a long time, I am now a reporter with a microphone, right? But I am low status, David. This is I haven't done this mm. since I started commentating with you, right? In the mixed zone, yes. Yeah, and I would always be flanked next to a proper TV cameraman with a big TV camera, like, and people mm-hmm. would know, okay, that's a big TV station, yeah. right? Now. With yeah. respect to Never Strays Far, I'm just Never Strays Far. You're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster, right? <laughs> so I'm down in the, like, the really, with the runts in the litter. Like, mm. I am in, I've got no status here whatsoever. And I suddenly realize how hard it is to get any of these riders' attention yeah. and to get into talk and that sort of thing. And I think, oh my God, I've done this whole trip promising quite a lot, right? Who am I going to get? Mm. Am I going to get Wout Van Aert? Am I going to get Dylan Van Baal? No, probably not. Who am I going to get? And all of a sudden, I'm getting in a panic about who can I get? Who can I get? So guess what? I go, Valentin. (laughs) (laughs) Valentin, une question, une question, s'il vous plaît. And bless him, Valentin Madouas struggled up off his um, seat on the grass, strolled over to me and spoke to me in French. And I have... um, I've given, I've done a little subtitle, you know, not subtitle, dubbed, oh, a, a dubbed translation. And this is mm. what Valentin said. Valentin, quelle expérience, quelle course. Uh, c'est brutal, hein? Ouais, c'était très brutal. Vraiment une course très difficile. Yes, it is brutal. Et it's uh, a race which set off at a mad pace and held it until the very end. It really is a hard race, a massive day out. Ouais, c'est vraiment une grosse, grosse journée. This year, it was an exceptionally aggressive edition. Yes, I think so. When it starts off like that, and then you have to keep it all the way to the end. Sector after sector, you feel it in your legs and arms. Everything starts to hurt enormously. It really, really isn't easy. It's a shame for Stefan. Is it a disappointment for him, for the team? Oh, you know, a podium's a decent result for us. Of course we came here wanting more, but he was all alone in the final, and given that, third is probably about all that we could have hoped for. It was, after all, as I said, a very, very hard day. Basically, David, he said it's very hard, right? <laughs> it's, right. It's, very, it's a really hard day, and but but he also said, you know, he said Stefan Kung, third place. Uh, you know, that's take that. We'll take that because what can you, yeah, you know, what can you, what can you do? It was interesting because oh. I'd phrased that question to Valentin, saying, "Are you disappointed on behalf of Stefan? Are you disappointed as a team?" Because I thought that he'd finished fourth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he finished third. So I slightly got that wrong, but there we go. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fine. It's fine. Third's good. And then he, any, anyway, after all that confusion was over and Valentin had the decency to speak to me, I thought, Christ, that's not enough. I can't come back and c- completely craft an entire episode mm. of Never Strays Far simply around the Valentin Madwas interview after Paris-Roubaix. <laughs> it's just mm. not good enough. It's not good enough for our high standards, is it? I don't think. No. That's quirky. <laughs> but it's not yeah, it's more like that's more of a kind of um an art project <laughs> what do you mean 
<laughs> just to well, if we've got out, I've just got nothing. Just kind of walking around, talking to yourself, <laughs> like a Ned Sunday in hell. I'm just I'm looking up the results now. I want to see where Valentine finished because I don't know. <laughs> right, okay. So hmm. Defrint finished fourth. Stefan Kung finished third. Twenty seventh. You got it. No, that's no. That, that was Anders Skarset who finished twenty seventh. I'm just guessing. Oh, well, you were guessing. Where did, where did yeah. he finish? Madhuas. 34th. 34th. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That is really impressive. Oh, is, is that guess right? 34th, second guess? Yeah. Oh, was that a guess? That was a guess. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool. I was just taking it, kind of, that's mental maths of your story of how long it took him to get there. He was, four, he was in that big group, four minutes, 47 seconds down. Um, and one of the other riders in that group at 447 was another rider um, who I managed to get an interview with. <laughs> um, but on. I really like him. He's a really a really good guy. And when he won a stage of the Giro last year and then backed it up with a, 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 a win from a breakaway in another race, I think maybe at the Eneco Tour or something like that, I thought, chapeau. Mm. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Taco Vanderhorn has the best name in... Um, in yeah, uh, at, by far. A, absolutely, in world cycling. <laughs> Plus, he's on one of the teams of the year, I think. Antamache, Wanty Gobert... And, oh, they are. They're, they're killing it. They were ever-present today. They, they, made, they basically were quick-step alpha. Yeah, they, but the way they raced, they may as well have been quick-step alpha vinyl. Yeah. Absolutely. Because they were just all over the front of the race. Yeah. Whereas quick-step alpha vinyl were nowhere apart from poor Yves Lampard. But we'll get to Yeah, that. well, thank you for validating the reasons why I interviewed Taco Vanderhorn and this is what he said mm. to me. How was your race? Uh, hard. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Uh, we saw you attacking in the early phase. Then after then, what, what, how did you get on? Yeah, I was attacking in the, in, to try to get in the break. Actually, in the end, I was good enough to go follow the guys. It was a bit of a waste of energy. But uh, yeah, then I was far back after a bike change. I come back and I was still in the first group with, uh, when uh, Wout and uh, the staff attacked. So I was really happy with that. And uh, yeah, I'm making myself ready for uh, for the final. And then uh, I punctured, and uh, the wheel I get from neutral was uh, broken. So uh, then I was so far back. So I had to change wheel again, and then I was so far back. So uh, for me, then uh, top ten was out of sight. In the end, I was 16, I think. But with the team, we did a fantastic race, of course. And uh, in the end, with Tom and uh, four and six, it's. Uh, Incredible result. Yeah, Adrian and Tom, fan- I mean, a fantastic team performance, but also every race so far in 2022 that your team takes on, you seem to get something out of it. Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. And I think this was, we had a, a really good spring. And I think this was, uh, was, uh, was uh, maybe uh, yeah, just the final that we could finish it off uh, in, a good, uh, in a good way. Yeah. And just finally, Dylan Van Baal, he's a countryman, he's not on your team. Um, but he's had a fantastic career. It's kind of good to see him get a really big win like this, isn't it? Because he's been such a great rider for such a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really nice. It's uh, really strong. As to, we have to withstand triumph every course for the, for the national anthem. anthem. I'm not talking right over it. I'm so sorry. I'll shut up. Thank you, Taco. Good luck at the Giro. Yeah. So I managed to interrupt him, and what he he shut me out. He shut me down basically just when the the Dutch national anthem was playing for Dylan van Baal and said we should probably we, yeah. So um, thanks, Taco, uh, and thanks for talking to me. Now, then I went back to where the Grupama FTJ riders had collapsed in the grass, and by this time, David Lewis Askey, the young British rider who crashed horribly today, had made it to the finish, and mate, 
He was in absolute bits. I've never seen such a battered rider. His kneecap, his left kneecap was swollen up and had been gushing blood. He'd obviously got some on-the-road repairs and he was bandaged, but the bandages were like something like out of a, 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 a kind of a recreation of the 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 battle a battle of trafalgar or something they were just soaked mm. with blood and soot and dust Jeez. it was like how the hell did he finish i have no idea but he collapsed off he fell off his bike and for 20 minutes just lay in the grass absolutely dead yeah. to the world in front of me and then mm. somehow well, this is a, so, such a cycling thing, isn't it? Somehow a swanny managed to persuade me, we're going to have to move you. No sign of, no no one getting in the wheelchair or kind of any assistance or like that. Just, can you get up now, Lewis? Mate, his leg's yeah. probably broken as far as I know. You know, he's probably, he's yeah. probably fractured his kneecap. It's so cycling, but isn't it? But you'd have to get up now, Lewis. So, yeah. um, and by the way, and then he staggered yeah. off and then he had to pick up his own bike and wheel it off. As well. Yeah, yeah. There's your, there's your bike's over there, Lewis. you got to get back to the bus. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway, what, from one British yeah. rider to another, uh, Fred Wright was the next interview that I got, uh, David, and um, and it was good to it was good to hear his perspective as well on uh, Matty Mohoric. I don't know. I, I was sort of made the mistake of just sort of chilling, chilling at the back too much on the first part. You know, I think. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are going to be saying the same thing that they were caught out. Like, that moment when Ineos got on the front and, yeah. and ripped it up. Yeah, yeah. I was like. I was laughing with Luke in the Gruppetto about it because he was like, yeah, well, that was me. And I was like, yeah, of course it was. <laughs> of all the people to split it up, it was definitely going to be them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, sort of punctured and then crashed as a result of that out of the, the group that was behind. And then I was chasing, chasing, chasing before Ehrenberg. Kind of, and you forget that, you know, once the cars are all blocked up in Ehrenberg, yeah. I, you know you can't go anywhere you, you're, you're stuck yeah. and then that was it that was day done yeah. which is a shame because my race finished around then last year so hopefully in the years to come I'll get a bit further <laughs> were you aware of what was going on with Mate at the front of the race uh, I mean how much were you aware of that it was annoying because I you know we were kind of I was going back to the Astana car that were following us and going oh what's going on what's going on so he was up there I, d- I don't actually know where he he was fifth oh f- yeah I mean, I saw he wasn't on the podium because the podium was go- presentation was going on as we were riding yeah. <laughs> over the finish line. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. no, um... I mean, he had his fair... It's a, that's a, it's, a good, it's a good result. Yeah, he had his fair share of bad luck. I mean, it's not the only rider to puncture, but he punctured at an absolutely critical moment and had to get back onto the front again. So, yeah, some rider, though, isn't he? Got it for him. No, it's, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's so calculated. It was great, it's great again rooming with him, you know, work. He was sort of analysing how he was going to do the sprint at the end if it came down to it. <laughs> what about yourself, Fred? No, I mean, nice to catch up with you. What a classics campaign you've had. Is that, you, is that, is that, is that you done now or um, do we see you in action in the Ardennes? No, no, I'm done. I've got, I'll have a bit of a bit of a break. I, I maybe was feeling a little bit, you know, after doing Amstel as well last weekend, maybe feeling not quite how I was at Flanders today, but... Yeah, I'm looking forward to a bit of time off because, yeah. <laughs> and Grand Tours on the program? Yeah, hopefully the tour again this year. So it would be you know reset now and then build up for that. Yeah. Was your man on the race today? Yeah, they, they were. They were. I figured they'd be watching the same places they were for the women's race. They were just in the in the, the corner. Posh, in, right. <laughs> so it was good to see them. Well done, Fred. Cheers. Yeah. See you later. So that was Fred. Uh, nice to hear from him. And then I thought, and then suddenly there was a bit of a commotion behind me, and Wat Van Aert had finished his podium thing. So I dashed over, but by now, 
It's quite structured. He's only doing interviews in Dutch. So I stuck a microphone ah, in yes. and this is what he said. But a Dutch colleague of mine has literally, just while we've been recording this, he sent me a translation. So I'll overdub a translation of what Wout Van Aert had to say. Ay, Marieke, Marieke, je t'aimais tant entre les tours. Ja, ik heb mezelf zeker verbaasd. Ik uh, kan niet durven denken. Yes, I did surprise myself. Um, I didn't think I could uh, get this far. Uh, Rube is always a special race, and I really surprised myself that I that I got this far. Of course, you always hope you have the legs or you find the legs that you had before so then you have a, a complete translation at your service net le ciel flamand couleur des tours de bruges gant ay marik marik le ciel flamand pleure avec moi that translation was brought to you by sporzas Renat Schotter, for whom I am very grateful. As the sun was beginning to set, a man I haven't seen for maybe four years popped his bald head into the, the, the sunlight, and it was Dave Brailsford. Um, and Sir Dave. Sir, Sir Dave Brailsford. And um, do you know what? Uh, you know, you've got a, a very long history with Dave Brailsford, as has been written about and well documented, and I know you're a close friend of his. Um, but I suddenly felt, because I've been involved in this sport for 20 years, and for at least half of that, he's been a kind of pivotal figure in that. I suddenly mm. felt old. Uh, because this has been a long process, a really, really mm. long process. And I hadn't seen Dave Brailsford to talk to either on or off the record in years and years and years. And um, I, I won't lie, it was quite nice to talk to him. And this is what he said. Massive day for you, Dave. Massive day for the team. Took you a while, didn't it? Cracking this one. It's, a, it's, quite, it's a difficult race to win. More than a while, to be fair. I think, you know, finally, finally. Yeah. You know, it does feel a bit like that. But I mean... Um, and, and actually, when you think about, you know, I think many people would say who know the sport, there's two big races that are known in our sport, and the Tour de France and Paris-Roubaix, you know, and we've never cracked it. And we tried, so we've tried, we've really, really tried, but never felt, well, oh, right, this is it. I thought we were going to win it last year, to be honest, when Johnny, before Johnny punctured. But then uh, I think the momentum that the team had coming into this race from the, so that they built through this classic period, Gave it a different feel, I must say. It did feel like, whoa, we really have got a chance. And they were calm, they were excited. They didn't feel that sort of intensity. You know, last night and the night, a couple of days before, they were excited, they were ready to go. And I don't know whether it, the, the introduction of... Well, I do, actually. I think the introduction of the young guys into the team... Uh, I'd like I'd like to be able to say it's planned and it was a uh, you know really well thought through, but let's be honest, it wasn't. <laughs> but fair play to them, you know the the Magnus Sheffields, the Tom Pidcocks, the Ben Turners, you know all, the Luke Plaps, all of the you know Ben Tullet, you know all these young lads have come into the team and they just want to race and and they've got no, they've just got to 
abundant, you know, free will and abundant. And I think they've they're nipped on the heels of the older lads. The older lads are kind of looking over the shoulders thinking, bloody hell. And you've got this upward pressure, really. And all of a sudden, it's a great impact on the older lads. It's, it's the enthusiasm of the, the youth, if you like, permeated throughout everybody. And it's just created a fantastic environment in the team. Don't think you can coach that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so last time we recorded a podcast, Miller, Miller, made exactly that hypothesis. He, I think we both described Pidcock in particular because cause Pidcock, amongst those names, is a proven winner already, yeah, yeah. even though he's so young. Yeah. We kind of described him as the kindling wood that you need to chuck with a fire and then the logs catch fire. And Van Baal's a log, right? If, if you see what I mean. Yeah, that is a Does that work? Yeah, it, that really chimes with me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so kindling. Yeah, they're definitely the kindling. Yeah. And Van so Baal is a log. Almost Very. as if it's been waiting to happen yeah. at some point. You've just been sort of scrabbling around for the matches. Right. You're going to try and yeah. kind of thing, you know, and you think, okay, we'll bring some youth in. You know, we need a new generation. And, you, and, and But in our wildest dreams, let's be fair, I don't think, you know, when we signed all the guys we signed last year, we weren't, you know, we weren't expecting them to perform at the level they've performed at. We didn't really expect Magnus to go on and, and, and win and Ben to be the, probably the MVP of the classics, really, isn't he? <laughs> it's just like a new star is born. Insane, that guy. Where you, where, I mean, it's just... Was he on everyone's radar? Did he have to fight for his signature? Because, I mean, what a signing, though. Yeah, I don't think, you know, to be fair to him, I don't think he, you know, he's one of those sort of talented, you know, proper Yorkshire Donny kind of characters, you know, and just give them a chance, you know, and, and put them in the right environment. But to be fair, they've, it, they've created an environment. You know that, you know, Tom, Tom's a winner. Tom Pidcock, he's, he's a winner through and through. And there's something about some people where they've got that little X factor and he's got that. And he just has that little impact on people around him. And I think, you know, Ben went off and did the cyclocross season with him, went over to America with him. So they have good mates. They come into this environment and, and all of a sudden, they're going like, right, we're going to smash it on this climb. And all the three young lads go off on a climb, whatever race it was. And they're like, wow, it's <laughs> a bit ballsy. They come back and they're like kids in a candy store and a bus afterwards. You know, go, oh, that's brilliant. Let's go and do it again. Yeah. And of course, just like you say, it has a, a contagious kind of enthusiasm that permeates the whole team, in, including us old fogies, you know. So finally, Dave, before I let you go, can you take that mentality and seed it in a Grand Tour team? Can you be the disruptors? Because it, it's weird, isn't it? You, you know, perhaps last year, this year, you probably don't go into the Tour de France in particular as the favourite. I mean, you won't. No, no, you won't no, be no, the favourite. No. You won't be. And that's an unusual thing, a new reality to get your head around. So do you, can you take the, the Paris-Roubaix spirit and seed it into a three-week Grand Tour? Is that possible? I think so. I think overall we talked a lot about our racing style, you know, and philosophy. And I think when we, when we won the Giro uh, with Teo, I think it was a bit of a, a, a sort of penny-dropping moment, really, where... You know, the way that they rose, we won so many stages, we attacked, somebody stayed with Teo if they weren't in the break, and then, of course, he went on and won it. We thought, wow, we would never have thought that's how we could win a Grand Tour. So let's look at ourselves in the mirror. And it was way more fun. People enjoyed it. You know, we may be respected for our wins before, but we weren't really loved. And, you know, we thought, could we ever go out and try and win and for people to really love us for the way that we go and try and win? Is that even a thing? Could it be done? What does that look like, lads? And so we talked about it as a group all winter, talked about how we want to race. And it's not, it's not unintelligent. It's not just, you know, everybody in the break, but it's, it's kind of offensive and intelligent, but on the front foot take the chance, make it happen, you know, and, and the, the guys themselves came up with this kind of idea of the teams all in. That's what they wanted. That was the mentality this year. They're like, right, all in, all in for the team, all in for the win and all in to be the best self you can be. And, and to be fair to them, they've taken a hold of that. They've taken ownership and people like Geraint and Luke 
and Swifty and you know some of the older guys have been absolute. You know when you think about you talk, we talk about older role model kind of riders and you think well they could do this or they could do that, but then they're actually doing they're, they're really bringing that to life. Geraint's been brilliant. I, I can't I couldn't credit him enough with the how he's taken on his role in the team now and and Luke and and Queerthouse and the other guys. They've been sensational, you know, but and I think it's because they respect this. Got these young lads nipping at the heels, and they're looking behind him, thinking, "Fuck, I need to do something." <laughs> and it's, it's just brilliant. Can't coach that. Doesn't matter how good you are. Brilliant. Mm. You Very happy. Of, you've got a bit of Paribas dust on you. Like you're normally immaculately turned out, Dave. You're a bit. bit... And credit to Rod as well. I'd say Rod Ellingworth. Just I should say because I think you know, obviously, yeah. I've taken a little step back and got you know been been looking at the broader Ineos. And uh, and and he deserves a lot of credit for um, for for what he's done, you know. Yeah. And so does so do Ineos, you know. Keep on backing them. We wouldn't have won this without them. Yeah. And they're brilliant, and yeah. they just help. They're just amazing, actually, in terms of their attitude and what they bring, and, and, and the, the their belief in us, and their their sort of allow us to go and live our dreams, really. So, yeah, the winning touch from them. Nice to see you again, Dave. Good it's been a, you, been a whole pandemic. Yeah. See, see, see you. Well, let's hope another one doesn't intervene. Yeah. See you on the road anyway. See you in France, yeah, yeah, maybe. Good to see you. Cheers. Will do. Cheers, nice to see you. So there you go, David. We um we know what we're doing on Never Stray Far, don't we? It's, we've we've identified we the Ineos gene. We we know. Yeah. Yeah. But they have they've nice. killed it, haven't they? They've done they've done brilliantly. They've done something, and I don't know if it's. I don't know how they've done it. Because it's it's been very un Ineos in the way they've done it, or very un Sir Dave B. It's been a little bit more laissez faire than marginal gain, and you know it's, it's it's been more about from what I can tell, and this is only from like the little bit snippets of information I get. They've gone more. The science is always there. Everyone's doing that. They're trying to build a different character, yeah, completely, kind of to their riders. It's kind of you know what. Rip up the rule book, yeah. kind of, or just kind of be. Let's do this. We're not going to beat anyone on science anymore. Let's just race, and it's kind of the science is a is a baseline, and we can do that. We're all doing that. Let's find something else. Let's recruit different types of riders. Let's do. Let's go into races with a different attitude. Let's not be scared of losing because they they they're losing. They've been losing. Yeah. So rather than be scared of it or have that be a monkey on your back, go well. F- screw it. Let's go in and not be scared yeah. of losing. And what's re- what's re- what's really interesting about this result and Amstel Gold, their two biggest victories of the of their very successful classics mm. campaign, mm. is the two riders who've won have not been the youngsters. Yeah. So so, no. so that you know that entirely bears out our kindling and log metaphor, right? Two lot two yeah. logs have won. Yeah. And, and you should probably repeat that to people. The kindling and log metaphor. It's kind of clever. It's kind of clever. Yeah. 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 Well, I was, no, I was just saying something to our listeners again, because it's a, a few... Well, yeah, oh, true. Not everyone that, will have heard our glorious last episode. Yeah. But I mean, I referred yeah. to it, obviously, in the, the interview just heard with Dave. But mm. but the, the idea that they were almost... They, were, they had the raw material to catch fire in these races, but they didn't have the wherewithal to ignite it. And your point mm. was, and I elaborated on it, your point was that quite specifically, mm. the figure of Tom Pidcock, as distinct from Sheffield, Turner... And the other um, and and Plap who've come in, they've mm. they've all played their part, but specifically Pidcock because of his winning background from such a young age, mm. and his willingness and his, his zest for racing, um, he has become the spark 
that has lit the kindling wood mm. that has ignited the logs. And that's kind of that's yeah. kind of how it's worked. And um, that's mm. an, that's a metaphor that obviously chimes in with the, I think exactly what they're thinking. So there we go. Well done, us. Mm. Um, that's it, really. Except to say, um, except to say, Dave, that um, I bumped into the first person I saw in the when I picked up my accreditation and walked into the press room today was Lionel Burney. And it was just... How is Lionel? Well, he's, he's doing all right. He's soldiering on. You know, it's been, I think it's been obviously a very tough time for Lionel, but, um, but he's mm. soldiering on. And, and I've got nothing but respect and affection for Lionel, as I have done, well, for, for, for Richard, as I discussed, um, and for Daniel. Um, Lionel, of, of the three, I know probably the best in some ways. And it was just great. To, it was great to see him. And I've got a newfound respect mm as well if as if i didn't have enough for what those guys in the cycling podcast do because it ain't easy to get interviews in the mixed mm. zone a pig pie races when you don't work for television <laughs> <laughs> we are spoiled in our gilded cage of of tv so i mean actually on that note david when did you as a rider at the tour you must have distinguished between media outlets you must have gone Oh my God, I'm in the yellow jersey. I probably, so, I probably need to talk to him and him, not, but I really don't need to talk to them. Well, so when I was in my pomp, it, wasn't, it was still just mainline channels, wasn't it? So it was just TV. And it was only towards the end of my career, and then I wasn't winning that much. I'd say the early 2010s kind of was when it was getting more lo-fi in the media zone <laughs> in that somebody, somebody with a phone could interview yeah. me and you'd be like, it was kind of off putting because yeah. at, at the time they didn't have audiences yet. Yeah. And it's only in the last kind of 10 years that, um, that actually it's all valid. You know, it's kind of, you can have somebody who's, I mean, around 10 years ago, somebody, if they had the a ca- little camera on their shoulder and was, had a microphone, then that was always a bit, a little bit kind of hard to, it was just hard to kind of focus on the person who's interviewing you because they were filming you and had a microphone. <laughs> but obviously you don't have to do that anymore because they've got phones. But I think it's, I, and I, I generally wouldn't underestimate kind of how the Gen Z, which is what most of the Peloton is now, have mutual respect kind of for every media outlet because anybody there could have, and you could have somebody with a phone that's got a bigger audience than a, than a national TV station. That's so true. Yeah, it's so yeah. true. Yeah, and so you got to be careful. So you got to be really careful yeah. these days because that that kind of that nonchalant <laughs> person on their own, they might with a recording device or their they phone, can, they pro- can could they can break you. They huge, can make you or break you. They can break you. And you, you just walk past <laughs> them like they're a idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vloggers don't really exist anymore. Uh, it's just everyone's media. We're all broadcasters now, yeah. David. We're all, we're all broadcasters <laughs> now. <laughs> Yeah, who'd have thunk it? All right. And yeah, go on. Yeah, cool. And uh, oh, just last yeah. one was, um, that was your first Roubaix in real life? No, no, it's my not. third Roubaix in real life. The first one, what were you, the other two ones? I saw, just, I, I went along as a fan. I saw Fabian okay, Cancellara win in 2013. And I saw John Dagen Cole oh, double cool. up and win after Milan San Rebo. I, I saw his victory in 2015. Oh, you and you. I love it. I love Cove. You cross paths. Yeah, I, do you know what? I, 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 I was literally trying to get hold of him in the in the mix center. I failed. I was literally. I gave it the whole humiliating because he had quite a lot of attention paid to him. Because John, yeah, John, 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 just like 
just like I did, John. Just like I did on the on the deserted Norwegian island, <laughs> and I got the same <laughs> reaction. Look, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've done all right, haven't I? Don't you think? Uh, Do I get? I think you've done. It. I mean, I'm looking forward to listening okay. to it because I haven't heard all these. Segments. No, you've just pretended like you've heard them. So that's the magic of editing. Yeah. So. That is the magic of editing. Yeah. No, I look forward to it, All Ned. Right. So, yeah, love a bit of Rebay. Okay. Um, you've done a bit of pre-recording right. of a feature, which I won't tell anybody about, but I'm sure we can drop it in yeah. in, the, in the coming yeah. days and weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, the coming days. We'll do something in the middle of the week, won't yeah. we? And we can put it in there. Because I'm off yeah. on a little... Be- cool. I'm going to Belgium now to do a bit of research in the book. Yeah. And you know what we should talk What's about? That? We're both going to be at the London Cycle Show next of weekend. we are as well, yeah. Oh, I'll see you then. We'll do a podcast yeah. then. Let's do a podcast then. All right. Perfect. Brilliant. I'll have yeah. stories. So I'll have stories of plenty. Doing... I'm about to go to Belgium for my book. And then I'm about to go to Western France, down to Nantes uh, for my book as well. So, um, yeah, plenty to talk about. All right. Very good. Okay. All Cheers. Right. Lovely. See you. Okay. Sweet. Bye. See you. Bye.